The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Today, I will learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. So we're still talking about what we are titled, The Worry-Free Life, uh, The Worry-Free Life, and, uh, you know, building up to today, we looked at what Jesus had to say uh, about the worry-free life. And uh, how many of you think we can take Jesus seriously on this issue? Amen? Just lift your hand if you believe we can take Jesus seriously on this issue. Jesus said in Matthew 6, uh, verse 24, do not worry about anything. Aren't your neighbor and tell them, Jesus said, do not worry about anything. Amen? How many of you believe you can do that? You can live a life of not worrying about anything. You know, some people, when you preach from that verse, they think, you know, you've just given them a high and impossible dream. Uh, just, you know, that's uh, uh, inachievable. And uh, I would like to believe that for God to say it would be unkind for God to offer us a dream. Uh, that's not possible. Amen. It would be uh, 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 unkind for God to do that. And I believe uh, God is so gracious and he has given us the grace. Uh, for us to be able to live this way, uh, the worry-free life, anxiousness-free, uh, fear-free. Amen? I said amen. amen. And so we looked at what Jesus said to say, and part of what Jesus said as well was, uh, do not worry about what you will eat, uh, what you will put on, uh, where you will sleep. And he goes on to say these words. He said, is not life uh, worth more than food? And he went on to say, is not your body uh, worth more than your raiment or your body worth more than your clothes? So essentially what Jesus is saying is you must have some perspective. When you uh, see yourself being tempted to worry, you must have some perspective on what's important. Because most of the things we worry about are not as important as we think they are. Amen? Uh, so, I, you know, I was saying in the first service, I'm raising two little girls. And how many of you know that it, uh, uh, it takes the faith to raise girls? Amen? Uh, if you can raise girls, you can raise the dead. I'll, I'll tell you that. If you can raise girls, you can raise the faith. So these two little girls, I mean, they need extra care, extra attention. I'm telling you, man, when I pick up the little, uh, the older one, six-year-olds, she's still six, but she's already, she's already, she's already fully developed. All I have to say when I pick her up is, how was your day? And that's it. In my heart, I'll be wishing I hadn't asked. (laughs) She'll be telling me all these stories in full HD, in full detail. Amen. So I decided to buy little dolls for these girls. So I bought a little doll for for them. Every time I travel, they let me know which dolls they want. And, you know, I try to to get them. These dolls are getting really expensive, man. And I'm like, man, this is just a doll. So I got this little doll the one time and she went to play with it upstairs. And then, you know, after a few minutes, she came down really crying you know, hysterically, and I was wondering, what's going on? I mean, I just gave you this door, and she is crying like, you know, someone has died or something. And then it turned out the reason she was crying was because uh, one of the little dolls, had, uh, the hand had come off of the, of the little doll. 
So I looked at her and I said, you know what? I don't think you should be crying like that because of a little doll. So I took the little hand and I put it back and she was fine afterwards. And it reminded me of how sometimes the issues we really think are life and death. If we were to look at them from God's perspective, it's just a little doll that's lost its hand. Amen? And we must have perspective. We must look at life from the vantage point of how God sees it. If it does not have any effect on eternity, trust me, it's not that important. You can persevere through it. Amen? If it's not going to matter 400 years from today, trust me, it's not that big of a deal. You don't have to kill yourself about it. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to uh, contemplate suicide about it. It just doesn't matter. Amen? And some people come to me and they say, Pastor, what if I'm married to the wrong person? Well, brother, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. For the next 50 years, you're going to have to persevere. Thank God there's no marriage in heaven. Amen? So you can be free after that. But while we're here, you're going to have to just pray for God's grace and stay and stick it out. Amen. And stick it out. Amen. There's no other help we can give you. Uh, and, and, and that's perspective. Someone say perspective. That's looking at what's important. That's realizing that your body is more important than raiment. Your, 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 food, your, your life is more important than food. Amen? And so we looked at what Peter said last week. And Peter said we should uh, cast how many? All. all. Someone say all. all. He said we should cast all of our cares on him uh, because he cares for us. And we found out that the word cast means to throw away from you. Amen? It means to forcefully thrust all your problems on God and not to maintain uh, a fishing line uh, with that problem. is to forcefully thrust and throw away the fishing rod, eh? Amen? And never to worry about it. And uh, he also said that we must be void of any speculative imagination. This is because 90% of the things people worry about never happen anyway. It was just a pigment of their uh, imagination, Amen? And so today we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about the issue. But as we uh, uh, go there, we're going to enroute uh, Isaiah 53 verse 5. We're going to read Isaiah 53 uh, verse 5. Isaiah 53 verse 5, if you have it, you can say I have it. So it says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, But he was wounded, capital letter H, which means it's talking about Jesus. Amen. Is uh, prophesying the coming Messiah and the work of redemption that he was to do uh, for you and me at the cross. Amen? And he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. How many of you realize that peace is a part of our redemption as much as going to heaven, the forgiveness of sin, and going to heaven is. It deals in that verse, the first uh, part of that verse, it deals with your spirit, it deals with uh, uh, your spiritual death and sin, and it says for that he was wounded for your transgressions, he was bruised for your iniquities. So the first part of that verse takes care of spiritual deadness. He made you come alive. You know, remember the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, If any man be in Christ, is a what? New creature. Behold, all things have passed away and everything has become brand new. So in that verse, uh, uh, at the cross, Jesus dealt with your sin nature. He took it away from you. 
he forgave you of all your sins. Amen. And the second part says, uh, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. That word chastisement is the word punishment. So essentially what he's saying is, Jesus at the cross was punished so that you could receive peace. How many of you believe that you're saved and you're going to heaven? Anybody that believes that? Here's something else you should believe that comes with that. It is that Jesus was punished so that you could live a life of peace. People don't have a problem with going to heaven, but when you tell them the other part of redemption, they say, Pastor T, but you don't know what's going on in my life. I would like to believe that God had taken that into consideration. And if you get saved in the same breath of receiving your salvation, that Jesus forgave you of your sin, he also made an, uh, 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 he provided, he made a provision uh, for you to receive peace, to live uh, the worry-free life and to just enjoy uh, this supernatural peace that uh, we read last week. Jesus said, I don't give it as the world give it. I give it supernaturally. The world has to wait until everything lines up uh, for them to have peace. We can have peace in the midst of a storm. You know why? Because it's not based on circumstances. It's based on who God is. It's based on who Jesus is. Can I get an amen? So he was punished uh, for our peace. And the third thing we see that deals with your body is that his stripes, in his stripes, we are healed. So he forgave you of your sins and he made a provision for your soulish realm, which is peace. Uh, in your will, in your mind, and your, in, your, in your emotions. God wants you to have peace in your will, in your mind, and your, in, in your emotions. Uh, amen. 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 Uh, 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 this kind of peace will heal a broken heart. Oh, yes. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, those who have broken hearts, come unto me, and I will heal you. The only person in the world who can heal a broken heart is Jesus. There is no doctor in the world that can heal a broken heart. There is no prescription in the world. Anybody ever had a broken heart? Just, oh, they left me. Kick me to the curb. Man, you can go to the doctor all you want to try and get a prescription, but there is no prescription that can heal a a broken heart. Amen? You can try music. You can listen to some music. It it may comfort you and console you, but it will not heal your broken heart. Amen? The only one who can heal the broken heart is God. It is Jesus, and Jesus will heal you in your soulish realm, and he will also heal you in your physical body. Amen? So now let's look at what the apostle Paul has to say about the issue. You ready? Philippians 4, we're going to read from verse 6. Thank you, Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 6. Someone like Mary shout, Be it unto me. Come on, say, Be it unto me. According to your word. The reason I say that is because we are getting ready to read some difficult scriptures. And I want you to submit to the power of the scripture. And not to the power of the emotion. So say it again, be it unto me, according to your word. And now let's read the difficult part. He says, be anxious for nothing. He says, be careful for how many things? For nothing. Let's do the math. If, if, if you are being careful for nothing, how much is left for you to care for? Nothing. 
He says, do not worry about anything. Do not carry any care because you were never designed to carry any care. Can I get an amen? He says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Man, this is an awesome promise from God's word. And watch what he says in the NIV. Let me read the same verse in the NIV. I want you to see it in English. Thank you, Jesus. It says in the NIV, do not be anxious about how many things? The little things? The big things? The kids? See, because some people think if you don't take concern, you don't care. No, if you take concern, you're just revealing that you don't have faith in who God says he is. God says he's your heavenly father. He's going to feed you. He'll take care of you. He'll feed you in the morning. He'll feed you in the afternoon. He'll feed you in the evening. He'll take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. When you stop being, uh, having faith in that, all you're having is a revelation that you do not have uh, faith in God and in his ability, his faithfulness, and watch this, his willingness to do it for you. People don't have a problem with God's ability. Anybody knows God is able. God is able. <laughs> Anybody can tell you God is faithful. God can do what he says he will do. Right? But most people have a problem with this part. God will do it for you. His willingness to do it for them is where they tilt. But I came, brothers and sisters, to tell you that if he could send his one and only begotten son to die for you, with him he will not withhold anything else. He will take care of you. So he says in the NIV, be, do not be anxious. He didn't say, I suggest for you to consider living a life of no anxiety. No, he gives it as an instruction. He gives it as a commandment. Do not do this. Do not be anxious about anything. What about the children, Pastor T? What about the kids? I used to be anxious about the kids, and I used to think that it was, uh, it was concerned. You know, I'd literally drop off my kids. It was a pigment of my imagination. Literally drop off my kids. And I kid you not, as I drive off from the nursery, from the crash, man, all kinds of things will start happening to my mom. Man, what if they fall off the, 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 the slide? What, 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 if, what if they get bullied? What if, what if, what if, what if? And the enemy would join in on the party and add a whole lot of more other what ifs. Amen? Man, we ought to stop worrying. Do not be anxious about anything. But here's what we should do. A lot of people ask me, Pastor T, if I stop worrying, what am I going to do with my time? He tells you in the second verse of, second part of that verse. Hey, Pastor, if I stop worrying, I'm going to have a whole lot of time in my, what am I going to do with it? Here's what you should do. In every situation, by prayer. Someone say by prayer. By prayer. And petition. Someone say petition. Which is literally letting, it, letting God know uh, what it is that's concerning you. We said last week, if you don't have a prayer request, uh, the things that concern you is your prayer request. If you can worry about it, you should pray about it. Can I get an amen? Amen. It says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, take your issue and submit it to God's control. Has anybody ever heard this statement made? I've heard it made a few uh, times in, you know, places that I go with people that I hang out with. Uh, you know, someone is in trouble and they're going through something and they usually say, well, it doesn't matter. God is in control. 
Well, God, God, I suppose God is in control. You know, God, how many of you know that if God was in control, you wouldn't be in such a mess that you find yourself in? The only time God is in control is when you let him be in control. Amen. Amen. You see, God is not in control when you're going crazy and making all crazy decisions. No, you are in charge. God only gets to be in control when you pray. In fact, that's what prayer is. Prayer is letting God be on the driver's seat. And you get off the driver's seat and you let God be the captain of your life. That's what prayer is. Prayer is letting God take charge. That's what carrying your cross is. You know, when scripture says, uh, carry your own cross, it's not talking about you dying for Jesus like he died for you. That's not going to work. It's talking about you taking your opinions and crucifying them. Jesus' cross made you a Christian. Your cross makes you a disciple. And how do you carry your cross? By constantly taking your opinions, how you feel about it, what you think about it, and crucifying it to the cross so it can die, so you can become alive to God's possibilities. Amen? Amen. So, you, you know, you don't have to try and die for Jesus like he died for you. He already redeemed you. The only part you die to is how you see things. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, I was saying in the first service, uh, some of you may remember this uh, crash. It happened in probably 2006 or 2005. I like to, you know, watch uh, some of those things just for uh, information's sake. So I was watching this uh, documentary, you know, the plane crash report of the flight uh, 447 from Rio to, to France. I only do this when I have about two months between flights so I can get back to my faith. Amen. So I was watching this documentary. Please don't watch it on the flight, okay? <laughs> Or before you fly, okay? It's going to mess you up. So I was watching this documentary to try and find out, you know, what happened with the flight. And they said there was nothing wrong with the plane, you know. And, you know, so I said, but so why did it crash? And they said, yes, what happened? They moved from uh, the automated system to manual uh, because, you know, of bad weather. And when they moved, here's what always happens when you're flying or in aviation is that everything must be communicated expressly. If you're taking off, you must get on the uh, radio and say, I am now taking off. And then you get clearance to take off. You just don't wake up and say, okay, you know, I'm going to fly off. No, everything must be communicated expressly. If you're landing, you say, hey, I'm approaching and I'm about to land. I'm going to land and everything is communicated uh, expressly to avoid any uh, uh, accidents. So even on the plane, as you are flying the jet, everything is communicated expressly. So when they move from automated uh, to, to, to a manual, the, the less experienced pilot went first and he said, I'm going to fly the plane. Now, once you say you're going to fly the plane, it means the other person is not responsible for instruments and shouldn't be uh, touching things, okay? So when he said that, less experienced pilot, 32 years of age, he pulled the lever to himself, and he pulled the lever, uh, 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 bringing the nose of the plane up. So he wanted to drive the plane to go up. Now, that plane uh, in particular was an Airbus, different from a Boeing. If you pull the lever on a Boeing, it's got a little steering. Some of you may have seen that. When you're flying an Airbus, it's got a little joystick. Now, with a Boeing, the little uh, uh, steering, when you pull it, it also pulls on the captain's side if you are the co-pilot. On this one, if you pull it, nothing happens on the captain's side. 
you are completely responsible. So the captain didn't know what was going on, and this guy pulled the lever. He pulled the nose up. And when this plane reached the altitude of stalling, it just stopped. And then it started falling uh, uh, at, uh, I think, two minutes every 10,000 feet. So when it started falling, the captain then said, "Uh, you know what, maybe I should take over and fly this plane. And when he said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a handover for you to fly, uh, the captain pushed the lever forward. But this dude, the co-pilot, was still engaging. He still had his lever backwards. And because of that, the plane went into confusion mode and, you know, it just crashed. How do, what, what, do I, what do we see from that? What we see is that you have been designated to be the one that has to hand over the flying of the plane to God. But when you ultimately hand over the flying of the plane, you have to expressly hand it over to God and get your hands off the instrument. Because for the most part, instinctively, when a challenge hits, what we are designed to think instinctively and conditioned to do instinctively by life situations is most of the times contrary to what God wants to do in your life. For example, if you're going through a financial crisis, instinctively, you are designed to think of hoarding and keep everything that you have. While God on the captain's side is thinking of pushing the lever forward, give it away. So that it may come back to you. How? Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? So we have to completely get to a place where we surrender all the instruments and not counter the efforts that the grace of God is bringing in our lives. Amen? Aren't your neighbor and say you have to get your hands off. See, now that you have cast the problem on God through prayer, you don't have to try and figure out what God has been doing lately (laughs) with the issue that I prayed about at about 10 o'clock at church this morning. We sing a song, we say, even when I don't feel it, he's he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Why? Because he never stops working. Amen? Amen? God is working. Just because you don't see it does not mean that God is not doing something about it. And just because God does something that's counterintuitive does not mean that God is taking you back. He's thrusting you forward. Amen. Amen. So he says after you've prayed and you've uh, uh, brought you know, uh, the prayers uh, to God and you've given it to him with thanksgiving, he says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There is a peace that God gives that goes beyond what you can figure out. Man, after you've tried messing with the instruments and so on and so forth, there is something that God can do in your life that goes beyond uh, the physics textbook. That goes beyond uh, economics 101. That goes beyond what your financial statement looks like. That goes beyond what the doctor's prognosis and diagnosis say. There's something that God can do in your life that goes beyond the natural. Amen? He says there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace will guard your heart or keep your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. Let's go to Luke chapter number 21. Luke 21. I want to read uh, verse 34. 
How many of you know that peace is a byproduct of our thinking? And how many of you know that peace comes directly from our hearts? It says in Luke 21, uh, verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be what? Weighed down with caressing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly. It says in the NKJV, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged by surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. Man, the cares of life, the worries of life can overcharge your heart. It can get to, to your heart to a place where it's continuously overcharged. Anybody ever dri- uh, uh, anybody has ever driven an old car with a carburetor and uh, oil change? You know those cars where you have to check the oil every single day before you drive it? Uh, what usually happens if you, if you don't pay attention to the instruments and the temperature gauge goes up, the car overheats, overcharges, and it breaks the engine. And that's what he's talking about here. Cares of life have the potential to literally break down your heart. And your heart is a powerful thing. Your heart is a sacred thing. Your heart, God has given it to you so that the issues of life, the the, the promises of God can come to manifestation through your heart. Amen? That's why the Bible says we ought to guard our hearts with how much? All diligence. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. So, man, your heart is a powerful thing and God uh, gave it to you and you should keep your heart focused on Him. And when you do... He will keep you in perfect peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, peace is my portion. It's my promise. And that's where I live. Yeah. Man, you need to start claiming this promise and start appropriating it in your life. We may as well cut to the chase. This promise is not going to come from a certain amount in your bank account. Yeah. We may as well cut to the chase. Let's tell you before we even get there. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Any single ladies? Oh, my single ladies. Oh, my single. This promise is not going to come from a man. Right. Let's just cut to the chase. Amen? Amen. Can I get an amen, amen. sisters? Amen. It's not going to come from uh, uh, moving jobs. Yep. It's not going to come from circumstances. Man, you better start enjoying it where you're at right now if you're going to enjoy it when you get to the next job. Amen. I said amen. amen. You don't have to wait until the, the, the socio-political affairs line up for you to enjoy this peace. It's not based on that. It's based on God. It says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, You, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Did you read that? He says God will keep you in perfect peace when you keep your mind stayed on him. You cannot allow your mind to wander around and enjoy peace. It's just not going to happen. Your thinking will produce the peace of God. Amen? And if you go back to Philippians 4 verse 8, let's see how the apostle Paul concluded this story. In Philippians 4 verse 8, he says, Finally, my brothers, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Did you read that? If there be any value or virtue, if there be any praise, what should you do? Think on these things or meditate on these things. The reason he says meditate on these things is because worry is a form of meditation. The only difference is when you're worrying, you're meditating on on the negative. You're meditating on a problem and not the solution. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? What are you going to do about What are we going to do about What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? What am I doing? I'm meditating. What are we going to do about this? What am I going to Ooh, what am I going to do about this? What am I doing? I'm worrying and I'm meditating. Where is this money going to come from? Where is this money going to come from? Where is this money going to come from? Where is this money? How many of you know that it doesn't produce money? Where is this money going to come from? Where is this money going to come from? Where is it? Where is it going to come from? I wonder where it's going to come from. I'm still no, nothing. Amen? But what we should do is start thinking on this. What should we think on? Things that are true. Someone say true. Not things that are factual. Things that are true. What's true is what God says about you. And not what the facts dictate about you. Facts are temporary. Truth is eternal. The word of God is the only truth there is in the, in the world. This is why we do not have a, a, a second edition to the Bible. We just have a different translation. But any other book needs a second, third, fourth edition because it needs to be corrected as we go. God's word does not have any errors in it. It does not contra- contradict it. Oh, Pastor T, I saw two verses that contradicted them. No, they didn't contradict themselves. You are just still growing your revelation of what God is trying to say through those verses. The word of God does not contradict itself. It's the ultimate truth. Amen? And that's what we should think on. What God says about us. Our identity is dependent on what God says about you and not what the fashion magazine and the beauty magazine says about you. Amen? I said amen. You see, in the beauty magazine, as you flip through the pages, they're telling you how unqualified you are. No matter who you are, they're going to find something on you. You're too dark, and then you go on a bleaching course. As soon as you finish, they say, oh, no, black is back. And then if you're too light, they say, man, you need a tan. And if you're too skinny, they say, man, you need extra flesh on you. You need a little bit of flesh. If you've got flesh on you, they say you need to uh, be thin. Man, as you go through the pages of that beauty magazine, as you get to the end, you have about 6,800 rand uh, things to correct. I'm talking about the value of the things you need to buy that they're selling you. See, you thought they were trying to help you with uh, self-image. No, they were just selling some products to you. Through your self-esteem. But if you have Christ's esteem, you will not be duped to believe that you need a 5,000 rand uh, makeup for you to uh, come to church. And all the men said, 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I need an offering from the guys. Amen. Brothers, to give me an offering. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is negativity should never rent space in your mind. You should not allow the enemy to come and plant seeds of fear in your mind. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Every thought must go through the checkpoint to see if it qualifies. Is it true? Is it honest? If it's not lovely, if it does not put a a smile on your face, it's not worth your space in your mind. Amen? I said amen. It says virtuous of a good report and praiseworthy. Does it make you say hallelujah when you think about it? You know, I may never have uh, a money uh, for rent this month. Hallelujah! No, it doesn't. <laughs> but God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen? Is it praiseworthy? Does it get you uh, to say thank you, Jesus? If it doesn't get you to say thank you, Jesus, it should not be renting space in your mind. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. So every thought, someone say every thought. Every thought must be checked out. Every thought must be assessed. Every thought uh, must be uh, 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 checked out to see if it fits this criteria. In fact, I know one uh, lecturer uh, who owned a a, a property uh, interior decorations company, and he would use this verse to decorate people's homes. Because sometimes you walk into people's homes, and they have dead things. And he would use this verse to make sure that they have lovely things. They have uh, pure things, just, uh, honest things, true things, and so on and so forth. Amen? How about decorating the house of your heart? I think it works. I think it's a good idea. Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to read from verse 4 as we close. So your mind matters. What goes into your mind uh, matters. Amen? Because all there is to worry is thoughts. The enemy will just offer you a thought. He will just offer you an idea, you just offer you a suggestion, that's contrary to God's word, and through that thought, that idea, that suggestion, it can get you to worry. Amen? I said amen. amen. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4. Here's what the scripture says. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Stop right there. You know, the minute you say strongholds uh, in, in religious Uh, circles, people think you're talking about spiritual forces above cities. And there's a truth to that, but when you're reading this particular verse, that's not what he's talking about. A stronghold in this verse is talking about a philosophy. He's talking about a way of thinking that has been created over a period of time, one brick at a time. And now it's become a fortified wall, a fortified city, uh, a way of thinking that you can not easily navigate from. For some, it's, you know, it's poverty. You know, for some, it's they just don't believe. They have an innate belief that they can never uh, uh, own any good thing. That they can never, you know, drive any, any nice thing. It's a stronghold. Amen? It's a mindset that even if God tries to bless you uh, with, uh, with, uh, with a nice car, with, uh, with a Rolls Royce, you will make sure that you make it look like... Uh, 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 the one that you, you know, your level is at. You'll make sure that you bring it back to a Datsun Pulsar. 
That's on 120Y. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Don't worry. You can use Google. <laughs> you make sure that you bring it back to that. Amen? Because that's what your mind has been trained to think. Let's try it one more time. Can you picture yourself sitting in a Rolls Royce? Just, just picture it. Just close your eyes and picture yourself in a For most people, it was tilt. It's like, ah, pastor, where is Rolls Royce? I can't find it in my mind. And for some people, it's extended to marriage. They can never, uh, because there's been a stronghold that's been created uh, uh, over a long period of time, a way of thinking uh, that tells them that marriages are dysfunctional. It's a dysfunctional family. You're just going to be dysfunctional all your life. And even if God blesses them with a good thing, they'll just bring it back to being dysfunctional because it's a stronghold they're dealing with. So when we say strongholds, we're not talking about spiritual forces out there. We're talking about a way of thinking in between your ears. You got that? So that's what we're dealing with. Pulling down these strongholds. You've got to break them down. And he says in verse 5, we must cast down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Someone say every thought. He says we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's interesting that he didn't say we must bring the ugly, ungodly thoughts into captivity. He didn't say that. He said you must bring every thought. Because what he's saying is every thought must come through the process of being uh, in captivity or limited freedom in your heart, in your mind, before you release it into full life. You know, I like, I like watching cops and robbers uh, on TV uh, and just seeing car chases and, you know, the police dealing with thieves. And I like that stuff, you know. I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's weird, but I like that stuff. It's good TV for me. It makes good TV. So sometimes when you watch the cops uh, stop someone, you know, for a, a, a routine check, you know, the clever, the wise cops, what they usually do is the first thing they ask him is to get out of the car. And then once he get, gets out of the car, they put cuffs on him. And then they check him out. If he's clean, they let him go and he can go and, you know, do his thing. But the not-so-wise, the unwise cops, the foolish cops, will let the guy sit in his steering with his foot on the accelerator and they're talking to him. So, are you a thief? And the guy says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And usually the guy hits the accelerator and he goes and now they have to get onto a car chase. Now they have to get many other resources to come and help them so they can, you know, apprehend that thing. And that's exactly what happens to your thought life. If you allow all kinds of thought to run wild in your mind, you're going to need extra resources. Now we have to pray in tongues. Now the whole church has to get in on prayer. Now everybody has to come to your rescue. Now everybody has to stop what they're doing so they can come and help you. Why? Because you let one thought... Run with it. When you could have checked that thing out to see if it's carrying life or it's carrying death. Now the entire ministry is falling apart because of one thought. Amen. Because truth be told, you just didn't fall over here and your your pants happened to be down. No, you thought about it. Oh, y'all can say amen. You thought about it, and you had a plan. And you entertained that thought. You didn't take that thought captive. 
you let that thought run wild and you let that thought take charge in your life and now that thought is fully formed and now we need extra resources just to curb the thought. Now you get the picture? Sometimes you need radical examples for the church to get it. Amen? And this happens with sickness. This happens with poverty. This happens with worry. Don't let thoughts run away with it. Every thought must be checked out. You know, when you go through the security to go into the uh, plane on an airport, that's what you must do with every thought. Every thought must be checked out. You know, I used to complain about security. You know, going into uh, uh, checking in and and so on and so forth, so we can board the plane. I used to complain about that until Pastor Dave brought some perspective to me. He said, you know what, Pastor T, uh, I think we should let them check everyone out as much as they can. I said, why? We, we, you know, this is just too much. And he said, because if someone comes in on the plane with anything that will compromise the safety of the plane, you and I are on that plane. If the plane decides to go down, We are going down with it. So now I don't complain. If they have to take your shoes off, praise the Lord. If they have to strip you, praise the Lord. I just want to make sure that everything that comes on that plane, the one that I'm on, has been checked out. It's the same thing. Every thought that gets into the plane of your heart must be thoroughly checked out. Because once that plane gets into your heart, every thought, every thought is a capsule carrying life or death. There are no neutral thoughts. You can't say, you know, this one I was just, neutral. I was just looking, I didn't touch. No, no, there are no neutral thoughts. Every thought either is carrying death or life. And when you check it out and you see that it's carrying death, do not allow it to get into the aeroplane of your heart. Because if you do, once that capsule opens, what do you think is going to exude from it? An aroma of death. But if it's carrying life, you can put it in your heart, and when the capsule opens... It's going to be life and peace. That's what the Bible says in Romans 8, 6. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.